Hello, and welcome to Little Realms, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. I'm your host and game master, Candace, and I am joined by... I'm Sarah, and I play Vim, the fun-loving tiefling... I'm Dan, and I play Cyrus Asifraz, the researcher. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adam, and I play Arden, the concerned half-elven ranger. And I'm Nikki, and I am playing Jarrell, the focused elven scholar. And last time on Little Realms. I accompanied Cyrus to the library to help him do some research, and... When we got there, I was introduced to his oldest, oldest friend, I think, Judy. She is, well, um, she's certainly a lively woman, and she is a prolific writer. I, uh, I accidentally stumbled my way into her end cap, and I was happy to find literally any other part of the library to be in. What a delightful surprise to see the Minx of Mithrin. With her and the power bottom of Bogberg, we accomplished our task. And with Vim's help, too, we found a book. I now know how to summon a spectator. I went to talk with Marin, hoping to find out what she is up to. It turns out she wants our help. I couldn't be less interested in aiding her with whatever her abominable research is, so I showed myself out. Arden left in something of a huff but I wasn't going to pass up an opportunity to snoop, I mean, hear out a fellow researcher. It turns out Marin has been tapping concentrated arcane energy, a universal magical reagent from a tree in another dimension. And now she wants us to do it for her. So it's like mid-afternoon and the camera pans down to Jarrell, Cyrus, and Vim walking down one of the avenues of Mithrin. Well, I do want to run a quick errand. Um, you're welcome to join me if you want. I was just going to uh, stop by Rocco's real quick and uh, put in a quick order uh, before heading back to the inn. No, my eyes are tired after all the reading I did today. I, I'll i see you back at the inn. Joe looks very curious when you say this. Well, you'll have to tell me all about it later. And he can do that when I have um, seated myself somewhere else very far. Any, anyways, I don't, I don't need to think about that anymore. Uh, I don't want to go to Rothko's again until he's done with my armor because I am very worried that he will look at the picture I drew and realize it's nonsense and not want to finish it. Oh, Vim, I'm sure that's not true. Uh, I mean, the other stuff in his shop was really impressive, but I've kind of asked him for something kind of... It's really cool and it's really different and... Uh, I don't know, you're right, you're right. I shouldn't worry about it. Jarrell's like patting your arm. Don't worry, it's a craftsman's job to interpret, you know, kind of flights of fancy into into something realistic, so I'm sure it'll be just fine. Dan's eyes like twinkle at the at the flights of fancy because boy howdy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. And if it's complete rubbish, it costs you nothing. That, you know what? I, uh, I do love taking risks <laughs> when someone else is putting the bill. If you just hate it, you can donate it to the Air Nails. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, uh, 
I think I'll be heading back to Journey's End of Cyrus. Alright, well, I'll meet you there shortly. Smash cut, Jarell standing in front of Rothko's. Rothko's working on something, hammer, clang, 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 sees you walking up and says, Hey, how's it going? I'm wonderful. How are you, Rocco? I'm doing excellent. It's a good business day. I'm glad to hear it. I just spoke to Marin. Uh, I understand you've done some work for her in the past, or pretty recently, actually. Uh, oh yeah, the canister. Yeah, I've done a couple things for her. Yes, she was just showing me the order that she picked up today. It was really beautiful work. Oh, thank you. I was really impressed and intrigued um, by the, the piece that you all created, and I was wondering if uh, that metal uh, that was incorporated, if the, if the properties were inherent or kind of worked in, and if the first, uh, if it was possible to maybe commission a, a spool of wire or something like that? A spool of wire from the metal we use? Yes. They want a spool of magic dampening wire. Oh. <laughs> Because that's something that they're able to kind of work with and fuck around okay. with. Okay, so Rothko furrows his big old bushy eyebrows. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we can make that particular thing into a workable wire. You see, it's made out of cold iron, coated in lead. Well, I mean, you can make lead into a wire pretty easily, but the cold iron doesn't... We could make you a rod. And he's, like, squishing one eye shut and, like, half-smile and a shrug. The, like, customer service person who doesn't have the greatest solution to what their customer is asking, but at least it's something. Hmm, interesting. How about, uh, could you make something like a bangle or a couple of bangles? Like bracelets? Yeah, that should be doable, definitely. Perfect. That would be wonderful. What would the bill come out to? Uh, five gold. Alright, they give him five gold. Okay. Thank you so much. And they wave gaily. Rothko gives you, like, a big enthusiastic wave back above his head and then goes back to hammer, hammer, hammer. Jump cut to journey's end. What is everyone busying themselves with? Well, Arden isn't as much of a glutton as Bim is, but he has been wandering around all morning, and I don't think I got breakfast. Arden's going to be eating if there's food to be had. Oh yeah, there's always food. Yeah, Arden's up for that. So I think the camera's following Arden, and then we see kind of in the background in the corner booth that has become kind of the HQ for our heroes. Bim has gone back to her little home, grabbed all of her carving tools, and she's grabbed a bunch of circular blanks. And, you know, they're all little discs that are four to five inches in diameter. And we see that she's just kind of enjoying a drink. And she's got a plate of food uh, next to her that she's kind of picking at. And she's kind of going back and forth between working on carving something. And she also has out sitting on the bench next to her. And it's that square block that she carved Indigo's face into. <laughs> and she keeps starting to pick it up. 
making like she's gonna start carving something on it and then she shakes her head a little bit and then kind of puts it back down and she kind of has it face down so anyone who can see it and wouldn't know what it is but she's clearly thinking about doing something with it but she hasn't settled on what yet at journey's end cyrus is seen in his room strapping on his big old backpack and all of his adventuring gear he's just really excited he's like a kid who just got a new toy but he has to wait a couple days before he can play with it so he's going downstairs and he sees arden stuffing his face and he is he arden i'm going to go into the forest did you need anything while i'm gone the forest Yes, the Eastern Force. Remember where you you turned into something but didn't really turn into something and attacked us? Why would you want to go back there? You nearly died last time. Excellent point. Um, <laughs> well, I'm looking for a place that is safe to summon this spectator, I think it's called. Originally, I was going to use Henry's office, but... Upon further reflection, that seems like a bad idea. God damn it. Does Arden even know what a spectator is? No, not with a, a role like that. <laughs> and what, though you don't sound too sure yourself, what is a spectator? I mean, I only know vague stories that I was told in my various druids when we were passing the peace pipe. Just... Something big, something strong, mysterious from another plane. You know, a, a boogeyman type of monster. And you're looking for someplace safe to summon it. Exactly. So what, you can make said safe place not safe anymore? <laughs> Cyrus just kind of strokes his chin. You are not the fun one. Maybe I should have went to Vim. Thank <laughs> <laughs> oh. I apologize. I'm just a little bit confused as to what exactly you're hoping to accomplish. I need to find a place that would not have humanoid casualties. I don't want a random person to be eaten alive by this thing if it's too powerful for me. I... Yes, I can understand your concern. Um... Well, I am not sure I support your bizarre <laughs> choices here. Um, I do understand that sometimes people in your line of work do need to experiment a bit. And uh, yes, if you're going to the forest, I did use up some herbs, general medicinal herbs and the like from my medicine kit after the... Uh, after the fight yesterday and attempting to treat people, you remember. Um, so yes, while you're out there, if you wanted to regather some things, I I understand you're good at that. I am very good at that. Uh, Jarrell, do you need any more green sticks? Jarrell walks in the door exactly at the same time as Cyrus looks over and says, Jarrell, do you need any green sticks? Oh, well, I hadn't really thought about it, but if you want to grab me some, I'm not going to complain. What, what are you going out? Are you, are you going out to the forest? Yes, goodbye. Cyrus trots off. Jarrell looks at Arden, like, almost expecting him to explain what that was about. <laughs> like, hands spread like, what? Arden just sort of looks at Jarrell and says, I 
am maybe only slightly less confused than you are. Oh, well, uh, par for the course of Cyrus, I suppose. <laughs> so Vim is kind of like absorbed in her work. This is the first time she's gotten to like sit and have like a quiet afternoon in a while. So she's pretty absorbed. Does she notice Cyrus with his backpack trotting off? With Cyrus being sneaky and I guess not waving goodbye. No, I'm not being sneaky. Uh, I think as, like, Jarell is holding their arms out in, like, a what? At this point, like, Vim, like, pokes her head up and she sees that people have kind of congregated and she sees Cyrus with the backpack and she gets up to follow him out the door. We will come back to you two in just a second. Jarell and Arden? Did Vim just leave all her stuff there? Yes. That was odd. I... It certainly was. I... I wonder what's... I know they were looking at something at the library, and I... Uh, Cyrus said something about it, but I didn't really catch... Hmm. Yes, he said he's going to summon something called a spectator. I have no clue what it is. But he says it's dangerous. Oh. wonder... What? what? Why? Why would he summon something dangerous? I... Because he wants to make the forest a more dangerous place. Well, I, I think that's already covered, it seems. Um... That would have been what I thought, too. Jarrell looks down at their blue robes and then out the door and is like, do you think we should do something, or...? Well, do you have any clue what a spectator is? No. Like, well, I mean, we were spectators at the tournament the other day, but I, based on the context, I'm assuming that's not the sense in which it's intended? You could roll either Arcana or... Oh, Candace, this will be so much more fun if Jarell has no fucking clue what that is. Doesn't know. <laughs> okay. I'm willing to be ignorant Jarell on this. has no idea what a spectator is. Also, uh, Vim did just follow him. That's true. Vim is very competent. I'm sure they've got this covered. Oh no, I was more oh. making a joke on the double play of the word spectator, but <laughs> be that as it may. <laughs> Thank you for explaining your joke, Arden. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go change into something a little more comfortable. And I've got work to do. I think that perhaps given Vim's urge to trot off after him, it might be a good idea for us too as well. Arden looks a little bit resigned at the existence of food still in front of him, but decides that, you know, as things are, he probably should go after Cyrus and see what the heck is going on. Jarell also, like, kind of lets their shoulders sort of slump in resignation and then kind of, like, gives him not, like, a hard one, but just, like, a light sort of playful shove on their way to the stairs, like, thanks for making me feel like I have to be responsible. <laughs> I'll be right back. And they run up the stairs and change into normal clothes. Arden will wait for them. He also just doesn't want Cyrus to go wandering off into the Feywild accidentally, so... <laughs> He figures he's probably the only person that can prevent that from happening. Once you guys get out there and Vim's already tracked me down and tried to talk me out of whatever I'm doing. She's not, though. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm putting words in your mouth. Vim, go on. Well, you do what you're going to say. She kind of, like, trots up ahead and then, like, stops beside him and is walking next to him. And she kind of leans down and goes, Cyrus, are you, you're, are you going to, you're going right now? 
I mean, I'm just looking for a spot, Vim. I remember what I promised to you. I would include you and the group. I'm just okay, lo- good. looking for a safe spot to do this ritual. Okay. As long as long as that's all you're doing, that's. I mean, do you do you want help, or are you are are you gonna go this one on your? I'm sure you have things to do here other than babysit an old man. I'm. I mean, look at me. I'm. I'm the mushroom man who beat up Rowan. I think I can handle myself. <laughs> you certainly can handle yourself. Honestly, Cyrus, I, I wouldn't think about it as babysitting. I, If I needed help and I felt like I could ask for it, I would. So, But I mean, if you can, if you can, you know, scout out the location for this on your own, then go have a good time in the forest. I just wanted to make sure you're not doing anything too cool without me. I appreciate that greatly. You helped me immensely in the library. I was out of my element there, but in the forest, I am completely safe. I have lived many years wandering the forest. I'll be fine. And I promise there will be no summoning without the entire party there to witness this really cool thing I'm going to do. (laughs) (laughs) I think as soon as Cyrus says this really cool thing I'm going to do... Jarrell and Arden catch up to him. So what really cool thing is this? I recount Jarrell and then I reaffirm goodbye. Oh. Well. Well, I'll see you soon. What are you summoning? No, don't don't uh don't worry. He'll he'll be fine. Don't wander too far in. I raise my hand. Got it. And I'm walking off. Bye, Cyrus. Jarrell turns to Vim. What is a spectator? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure Cyrus will let us know more about his plan as the details become pertinent. For now, he's just taken a trip into the forest, and I, I think he'll be all right. Well, if you say so. And Vim kind of like looks fondly at Cyrus as he trots off. So we'll start with Cyrus. Cyrus, roll three nature checks. Got it. Not so good for the first one. I got a an 11, a 12, and a 21. So Cyrus goes into the forest. What kind of, like, okay, so your parameters for the area that you're looking for are... I want to steer clear of any of the hunting trails and really like I'm getting into the thick of this brush like I imagine Cyrus is really like scraping his knees crouching through the thickest part of the forest the part that is least traveled and eventually I'm going a tough way but eventually I'm just looking for uh a clearing that's maybe about the size of a small room, something that's big enough for four people to stand in. So second question. Cyrus is mostly aware of where the air quotes safe zone is. Is Cyrus paying attention to that? (laughs) This is why Cyrus went to the Eastern Forest, because he knows there was a monster there. So he's thinking, well, maybe... He'll kill two birds with one stone. Maybe he'll encounter that thing, too. So uh, he's very aware of it. He's kind of going the same route that we entered. Okay. Roll a d8. 
Uh, six. Okay. It takes you hours to find this spot. Part of the reason is because there's like a ringing in your ears, which is distracting, but you find this clearing. It's off of the game trail, it's off of the footpath, and you're pretty happy with it, actually. This will do just fine. I pull out some chalk, and I just start uh, marking trees on on the way back to Mithrin, so that I can kind of find this way back again. I mean, I've got a plus six on survival. I'm pretty confident in the woods, but I don't know, just in case, I'll mark some trees. It takes you way longer to get back to Mithrin than you thought it should. And you're marking trees this whole time, and you're not, like, repassing any of the trees that you marked, but by the time you get back to Mithrin, it's like midnight, and you're pretty sure that from how big you, like, knew the forest was, it shouldn't have taken you quite this long. It just rings a little odd. Cyrus doesn't know what if he's... doesn't know what the hell's going on right now. He's like, is my mind playing tricks on me? What? And then, in his midst of, like, confusion, he's like, oh, fuck, I forgot to grab sticks and healing herbs for Arden and Jarrell. Uh, uh, this will do, and he just scoops a pile of dirt. <laughs> Arden can chop this in his medicinal pack. It'll do just fine. And uh, <laughs> I find a random tree and I grab a stick. Jarrell won't know the difference. This will be fine for them. Oh my gosh. Good old dirt packing for your wounds. In his head, he's probably thinking to himself, man, reading's dangerous. My mind is playing tricks on me. I don't know how Jarrell does it. <laughs> You're convinced it was too much reading that, like, took away from your ability to make it through nature. Exactly. <laughs> never, never again. Presumably, Cyrus is done for the evening when he gets back. Yeah, I'm... It's when you know I've gone camping before. When you're done with a day of hiking, like you just fall asleep instantly. So yeah, I barely nod my head at Yelchin, and I just go straight up to bed and pass out. Vim, uh, you're spending the rest of the day wood carving, right? Yeah. How's that going for you? It's quiet. Is Abram or Mickey around? Yeah, they're in and out. Can we have one of them come around? Yeah, definitely. You need anything? Oh, um, you know, I, um, if you don't, do you, do you have a second to, to, to chat? We always got a second for the people that helped get Abram out of prison. I am just so happy we were able to chat. Um, and then she, <laughs> she's like, here, if, if you're hungry, and she like offers the food that Mickey probably made, but it's like half eaten. <laughs> uh, definitely made that and I definitely appreciate your offer but that is your food now ma'am <laughs> oh right sorry this this place you've made at journey's end it's it's a wonderful little home I, I feel like this booth has become my living room but you asked what you could do for me but I'd, I'd love to ask what I can do for you first 
Gosh, I, I intend, I know you said that I got the friends and family discount, but first I, I plan on paying you back for every day that, that I've been here. And I mean, let's be real, it'll be the Arendelles money, but it'll, it'll come from them to me and then to you. Mickey kind of like laughs at that. Well, that's mighty kind of you, ma'am. Is there anything else we, we can do? I, I know that. And she leans forward uh, and whispers this softly. I know that part of the reason why Abram got dragged away is because y'all got tangled up in the faceless because you were taking money from them to keep this place open. I'd love to help y'all figure out how to keep it open. Maybe maybe do it a little bit more stably, more reliably, so, so you don't end up in that situation again. Not that it was your fault, what you're doing here is great, but I'd just love to help. And I'm not just good at hitting things with my hammer. <laughs> he gets that expression on his face that's like, flabbergasted but also thankful and he says well that, that's mighty that's mighty kind of you um now that Marne and rowan are out of the picture and arendale can run things proper we're hoping that we can kind of balance the books above the table but we'll definitely let you know the moment we think of some way that you can help us out thank you so much for the offer yeah, I'm, I'm all ears if there's anything you need. In the meantime, though, I have been working on making a set of coasters. And she'll pop up one of the little circular discs she's been carving on and what she's been carving the Journey's End logo. Oh. So it's got, I think it was like a, a meadow, with a, like a sunset on it. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> It's been a while since I've listened to, like, episode one when you described it. But I think it's a very quaint, very cute, like, sun setting on a hill. Or or maybe it's more of a sunrise with rays coming up. She kind of carves it both ways. It's like a set of four coasters where one's, like, a sun up, one's a sun down, and one's, like, moon rising, and one's, like, high noon. Yes, and then she goes on to explain that they can actually sell all four, but you have to buy them blind. So ideally, customers end up not just buying four to get each one. They have to buy like 10 because one of them, the Moonrise one, is rare. (laughs) (laughs) So so the first thing Mickey does (laughs) is he goes... Abram, Abram, dear, come over here. Motions him over. Yelchin, Yelchin, look at this one. Aren't they cute? Abram and Yelchin both crowd into the booth. We don't have anything Journey's End branded. I guess we should have done that, huh, Yelchin? Yep, you know, there's a lot of valuable merchandise options. And with this, Yelchin can can wipe down tables, I believe, 30% less. And then I think Vim begins to... uh, start developing a branding strategy. <laughs> Is Vin trying to introduce loot boxes to our Dungeons and Dragons game? <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely doing blind boxes right now. I think Abram and Mickey are all on board 
In this campaign, the players create loot boxes for the NPCs. <laughs> it's a lucrative business opportunity. I think Yelchin is like standing back, arms crossed on his heels, like nodding approvingly in the background. Perfect. Yes, like, that's a good idea. Oh, Vim, you're making me feel like I'm the bad merchant. Oh, no, darling. You come sit down here and Mickey and Abram and Yelchin guessing like a line of maybe aprons that are branded with like Yelchin's face on them. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a set of tankards that uh, we could start selling. Um, Really, the whole works. Excellent. So that's what Zvim's doing all afternoon and evening and into the night. (laughs) Jarell, what are you up to? Joel's gonna get that that periodic, not a periodic table table that N gave them and finally, at last sit down and take a look at it. They don't really like sitting in their room by themselves so they're gonna take it down to the the main room in Journey's End, but kind of a quiet-er area um, and kind of puzzle over it. Okay. Roll three intelligence checks. Okay. (laughs) Oh no. Well, that's a seven. Oh, and a 23. Okay. And a crit fail. Oh, ouch. (laughs) Oh, boy. How'd I do, Candice? (laughs) Oh, no. Jarell keeps thinking about how how disappointing magic looks. Yeah. I think they're distracted by a lot of things right now. Yeah, maybe their mind is just really on. They're kind of wondering what Cyrus is up to. They're kind of wondering, like, is Arden going to be okay? Like, are these dreams a problem? Should they approach him about it? They know he gets oh, bristly about being bugged. And they really also just, like, I don't know. They have a hard time thinking through things without their sister around. They're used to just sort of backboarding stuff constantly. And so kind of sitting by themselves at this table is not really doing it for them. Jarrell's mind is going a million miles an hour about everything but the periodic table for like hours and hours on end. And Jarrell doesn't realize how much time has passed until they look up and the common room is empty because it's three o'clock in the morning. That would be very par for the course for Jarrell, actually. <laughs> I feel like Jarell is one of these people who doesn't, they don't get like slower and sleepier when they get tired. They get more and more kind of manic and a little crazed until they just crash. So like at the point of Jarell's thought process where it's weird, you think you're making progress on the periodic table and then you just crash like face first into the paper. Arden, what are you up to? Once everybody gets back to Journey's End, Arden is going to at least briefly contribute to Jarell's distractedness by going <laughs> over and and saying, "So, did you agree to whatever it was that Marin wanted you to do?" Huh? Oh, um, sorry. What was the question? Marin wanted us to do something. Did you agree to it? Well, of course not. I've got my own work to do. She's got some interesting ideas. They're kind of looking at him and, and rubbing their chin kind of speculatively. Arden, um, if you don't mind me asking, when we had our little uh, adventure, 
in the forest the other day, you had mentioned that you had some strange dreams that sort of prompted you to, to head out in that direction? Oh, well, yes, I suppose you would call them that. I wouldn't use the word strange so much as, hmm, not sure exactly what word I'd use. But yes, uh, it was because of a dream. Why? Do you often have dreams where you feel like something's communicating with you? Or is that something that's only sort of come up since you've come to Mithrin? Um, I will admit that it isn't common, but I wouldn't say unexpected. Jarl frowns a little. You mentioned the other day before we spoke to them about, they kind of wave their hand vaguely, about our um, extracurricular activities that, that you had a dream where a tree attacked you, right? Y- yes, I did. Sorry, Arden shouldn't be laughing. But... <laughs> well, um, yes, I suppose I did have a dream where a... Sorry. Yes, I suppose I did have a dream where a tree attacked me. I'm not going to be able to say that without laughing. <laughs> a little bit. And was that sort of like... Uh, they make huge finger quotes on this. A normal uh, nightly hallucination, or a dream, rather? Or was it sort of more like the dream that made you go out into the forest? I mean, given that the dream bestowed a weapon upon me, I'm going to say more like the dream that made me go out into the forest. Uh, But that's not really important. It's not really all that unusual for trees to attack people. And I'm not sure that the two were terribly related either. Drella's staring at you open-mouthed. <laughs> like, wait, it's normal for trees to attack people? I, yes, fairly sure it is. Huh. They're kind of staring at the table, not looking at it, but like through it almost, and kind of like tapping their chin like, I, I never realized that. I, I've never read anything or heard anything like that. I just sort of assumed that they stayed stationary all the time. Well, maybe it's not Hmm. Arden looks around the room. How many people are there in here right now? It's you two, and then Vim, and Abra, Mickey, Yelchin, and then handful of customers. Yes, uh, you realize that a not insignificant number of people in this room got attacked by something that you described as, what was it, a large beast that resembled a mix between a mound of moss and a tree? That was a tree? Wait. Well, I mean, it could have been. Are you sure that it was something else? I have the foggiest idea what it was. It might be worth further study if we could put up some safety protocols. Well, that's beside the point. I guess I just assumed... So was your tree dream like that tree, or was it a more... Oh no, it was a much more normal tree than that. The kind that you'd assume wouldn't normally be attacking people. So like most trees? Yes, yes, like more like most trees. Did it perchance have... Are you familiar with maple tapping, Arden? Maple, all sorts of other things, yes, to get sap from trees used to make food. Yeah. Did your tree dream have anything like that in it? It had... Well, yes, it was. It had something 
similar. Jarell is looking incredibly troubled and very intently at you now. Um, and they've kind of temporarily forgotten about their not a periodic table, periodic table. Yeah, as I said, this is contributing to your low intelligence rolls. It's not your fault, it's Arden. <laughs> Arden, I don't want to, to trouble you, but this all, I mean, I'm not an expert in sleep or dreams or any of that strange nonsense, but you did mention that you had encountered Marin as a child, and is it possible that she that you might have been inadvertently exposed to something that might be precipitating some of this? Precipitating dreams? I mean, the exposure wasn't in inadvertent, but if you want to think of it that way... What way should I be thinking of it? Hmm, put it this way. You said, you said that you wandered about one night reading people's minds. That could be considered a form of communication. You saw things that you wouldn't normally see as the result of, oh, whatever magic you were using. Would you say you inadvertently read people's minds in that case, or inadvertently saw their thoughts? Arden is kind of looking at Jarell right now, like Jarell's a little bit crazy. Like, how did asking about what if he agreed to what Marin wanted lead to dreams about trees <laughs> and, and how could somebody who seems so smart in every other way be totally confused about how the world works <laughs> about how trees attack people yes <laughs> I love that Arden and Jarell both have such odd views of the world they both see themselves as very normal <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, so they're both looking at each other like, you're so weird. And any yeah. normal person outside would be going, what is wrong with both of you? Yeah. <laughs> like, and Jarrell's just completely willing to believe, like, oh, trees do attack people? Well, I haven't, like, seen this much myself, but you know so much more about the forest, I'm willing to take you at your word, because why would Arden make something like that up? Um... <laughs> I don't know that I'd call it inadvertent as, as, as undirected. I, maybe I should be more straightforward. Is Arden, like, standing there, or has he sat down at the booth? Nah, once the conversation lasted more than 20 seconds, he would have sat down. Drell leans in a little um, and says, I know you're very reserved and private, but I'm just concerned because it seems to me that you have some sort of affinity or, or connection with, with the Fae, and it's not clear to me whether that was something that you, whether you've traveled there or, or, or been there on purpose, or if, or if Baron did something to you that, that has connected you somehow to, to the work she's doing now. Marin couldn't have done that if she had tried. She doesn't know what she's doing. Well, it seems to me she rather does, actually. Um, and Jarell sort of starts explaining, like, explains the pods and the, the magic circle that she has set up that looks like the circle in the book, but that it's clearly been altered, and that she's been getting this, like, tree sap, essentially, that she says is arcane magic and storing it in these special canisters that she had made at Rothko's. Um, and kind of lays out um, that she seems to think that 
four people going in simultaneously is going to make some kind of really extreme difference for some reason. Arden listens carefully and he looks surprised when Jarell mentions that she actually made this and has gone in already, but he is going to... Does Jarell mention the color of the arcane energy? Oh yeah, and like really disgustedly, they kind of talk about it more than they need to, like sort of in that sort of, you'd think it wouldn't be this way, right? You'd think it'd be some other color like gold, right? Does the color strike Arden as odd? I rolled Arcana and I got a 19. So like Jarell gives the description of it's this black gunk that has this consistency of molasses. Arden thinks back to his dream and the description that Jarell gives sounds an awful lot like the stuff from the magic circle in your dream. Is that the color that magic is supposed to be? My thoughts exactly, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) In the Feywild? That's more what I'm wondering, or does Arden just not know? Is it one of those, well, it could be? Most of the magic you experienced before leaving Arcadia was shinier, for lack of a better term. Yeah. All the Fey that you interacted with are, like, really big on the showmanship side of things. Yeah. And, you know, teenage Arden would put on a fireworks show every now and then as well. So it registers to you as odd that it would be this weird consistency and this weird color, but the magic in Arcadia is controlled by emotion and things older than what you know about readily. So it's like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's unusual for what you know about magic in Arcadia. Arden, in that case, looks like a little bit put off, but he basically says, ah, um, yes, that matches up with, you said that she made a magic circle that transported people somewhere, and it was similar to the one in the book. Actually, uh, just... I'll ask you more about that later. Thank you, Jarell. All right. Well, let me know if you think it's any cause for concern, but it does seem like Marin has sort of a handle on what's going on in a very local sense, that in the sense that she hasn't blown herself up, but um, it does seem strange that it's having these these other effects on, on the forest and on you. Um, I... They kind of, like, fold their hands and lean across the table a little. Have you considered that it might be safer to not sleep for a while? Arden kind of chuckles and says, Uh, yes, you would have me stay awake for, what, the rest of my stay here in Mithrin? Jarell's looking at you like, what's the problem with that? <laughs> I I think that I will be fine sleeping. Um, right, but... I have been attacked by trees in my dreams, but... Wow, you sure do make sleep sound worthwhile. Well, the last time it <laughs> happened, I did get a sword out of it, so... Do you mean you literally transported, like, a real object from a dream state to to here? To reality? Yes. Arden puts his hand down on the table and calls the sword to it. So, like, not like he just suddenly drew a sword inside of a store, but, like just makes this sword appear on the table. 
Troll looks fucking fascinated. <laughs> he releases it, sends it back to where it came from. They kind of lean in very close and say quietly, Arden, are you, are you a fairy? <laughs> Arden says, come now, Jarell, you're a scholar of magic. Yes, that's, that's why I'm asking. You have to be open-minded with these things, you know. I would tend to agree. I mean, ten minutes ago, I didn't know trees would attack people. <laughs> Which I also find curious. Anyway, I have reading to do. You go back to what you're working on. I'm sorry for disturbing you, and I'm sorry that this probably won't be the last time. Oh, well, I'm always happy to help. Um, just try not to, like, die in your sleep or something. Because <laughs> apparently that's a thing you can do quite easily. I would be more worried if I were Cyrus standing here, given his age, but yes, yes, although that doesn't sound like the worst way to go, I'll try to avoid it for the time being. Drell looks incredibly concerned when you make it sound like Cyrus might just fucking die in his sleep without warning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Arden will head up to his room to go and get a book. Okay. Vim, when you eventually turn in for the evening... You return to the porch of your fardo, and stuffed between the door and the door frame is a little note. Oh, shit. One minute ago, I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. She hasn't gotten a message yet. Oh, no. Vin has kind of all of her, her stuff kind of shoved into a bag. She's finished uh, describing uh, she she probably also pitched a couple different versions of multi-level marketing schemes to Mickey and Abram so she's been explaining all of her business stuff she's packed up all of her stuff into a bag and when she sees the note she freezes in her tracks and I think she she drops everything she's holding and she bends down to kind of slowly pick everything up and is, is really spending a long time making sure everything is just so. And every once in a while, her eyes flick up and, and it, she looks at the note until finally she's just kind of standing there kicking the dirt off of her front porch. And she can't put it off any longer and she grabs the note. She just holds it close to herself and slips inside before opening it up. She opens it up. And inside, in that infuriatingly perfect cursive, mm -hmm. says, Here, here, you see I kept my word and didn't break into your Vardo this time. When you get a chance, Vim, why don't you be a dear and come by for a visit? And then it's signed with a little drawing of his face. She, it, it like takes her a couple, or it takes her a couple tries to get through the note. Or she opens it and she has a dumb little drawing of his awful face. And she's <laughs> like, you didn't even, you didn't, you didn't even, I captured it. I captured every little muscle in your dumb smug face so much better than you ever will. And then she like has to like close it up and take a few breaths and she tries again. 
And then she reads the first sentence where he's being all smug. She's like, well, I don't, okay? You're right. I can't just kill you because of that. Smart man. And then she like finally gets through it. And I think she just takes a seat at her little desk and, and she looks at it for a while and, and, decide, and is, is trying to decide when she quote unquote has the time to drop by. So, so Jim, I think, would go out that night. Okay, so Vim's just going to turn around and go right back out. I think she she like sits down and she's sitting with the note and she decides that she's going to make him wait. Okay. And so she like crawls into bed and tries to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. And she kind of hears folks coming back in and like some of the movement out. You probably hear Cyrus come back. And she's like realizing how late it is and again and is just trying, trying to get to sleep. And I don't know, maybe, you know, that it's like 3 a.m. when Jarrell's have brain blast and <laughs> uh, Vim just can't get to sleep. And she, she decides that she's going to go make Indigo see her right now. <laughs> Are you pajama Vim? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> I always say yes. I think she puts on a, uh, like, she doesn't bother changing up, like, sleeping slip pajamas, but she puts on, like, a like a heavy robe or something. Oh, oh, and then she puts on her special hat, and she makes it look like she put on her armor. <laughs> so she's using magic to make it look like she put on <laughs> but actually she can't be bothered. I love that. That's amazing. And as, as, like, quietly and as sneakily, because she, she doesn't want to get anyone. Like, as far as everyone else is aware, she's she's done with Indigo. Mm-hmm. She's done what she needed to do. Breaking into Mirne's kind of upheld her side of whatever bargain she had made. Uh, so she doesn't want any of the others seeing her go and do this. Okay. At, like, 3.30 in the morning... Vim shows up at the front door of the Rorid estate, which is where you would assume Indigo is, because that's where he was last time. Absolutely. She just goes up and then walks up to the door and just knocks loudly on the front door. Vim waits for a little while. And about the time Vim is thinking, maybe I should knock again, the door opens. And standing beyond the door, rubbing her eyes, is Mother Rose. She pulls a hand down her face. Oh, good morning, Vim. Yes, um, good, good morning indeed. I'm here to speak with Indigo. It is 3.30 in the morning. I'm well aware, and Vim pushes her way. <laughs> Mother Rose, like, actually steps aside before you can push your way in. Are you beelining to the room? Yeah. It seems as though the stairs to the second floor, the trap is disabled at this time of night because they do not fall flat. Vim 
barges into this room and the door cracks. Indigo sits up in bed, like blurry eyes looking at you, like one eye is squinty, one eye is not. There's a nightcap that's like <laughs> stretched across the crest of horns. <laughs> and, and like it's not like two little nightcaps put on either end of his horn. No, that's better. <laughs> He's got a nightcap on each of his horns. Oh, what a nerd. What do you call those horn socks or something? They're the <laughs> horn socks. You got it in one. And he sits up <laughs> and he's like, Vim, deity is above. When I leave you a note, it doesn't mean you need to come. It's the morning. It means I came when was the most convenient for me. So I'm here. Do and... you seriously mean to tell me that in the middle of the night is convenient for you? She smiles for the first time since I got. She's delighting so much in how this is inconveniencing him. And she she smiles and, and nods. Yes, this was when it was most convenient for me. And I'm here now. And so we're going to talk. You know, that's, that's fine. We can do that. And he starts pulling himself out of bed. And kind of like to your maybe horror or dismay, you notice that he is wearing pajamas that is like a loose wrap top and like harem pants. Mm-mm. Oh no. <laughs> he like drags himself out of bed, rounds the front of the bed to the desk, sits himself back down in the chair and like heaves his feet back up onto the desk in that signature lackadaisical pose. She's liking this less now. All right, have a seat, let's talk. No, I don't intend on being here now. I also want to get back to sleep if we're being real honest here. Mm-hmm. So, the two things that I wanted to talk to you about. The first, I have two more tasks for you. And just as I promised Gaul, neither of them involve violence, killing, maiming, any of those things. And he's like listing these off on his fingers as he's saying them. All I want is information. The first, when I was Witherheight, I had many interactions with Marin. You've heard of her, correct? I've heard of someone named Marin. Since I died and he makes air quotes if only <laughs> now that was a good one I'll give you that it, it just her she was smiling just like it just robs all the joy from it anyway I would very much like to know what she's up to these days she was helping with the upkeep of the city and making sure that the furnaces are working. What is she up to these days? Is she actually still helping the town or not? That's what I care about. The second, I have a hunch that there might be something down in the mine that someone is not telling any of us about. 
If that is the case, I would very much like to know about it. Is knowing why something I'm allowed to ask for? It's quite simple, really. The Speckled Knight is an information-gathering caravan, first and foremost. We just want to know. And none of this will lead to killing or stabbing or murdering or any of If there is killing, stabbing, murdering, maiming, torturing... Right, right, I know. I'm very impressed. You know all the crimes. <laughs> he, he laughs. If this leads to any of that, it will be of your own prerogative. I only want the information. Alright, I can do this for you. And But well, I guess before I say that, the important question for me to ask is, will this be all? I think this is enough for me to be released from our arrangement. He smiles, but it like doesn't reach his eyes. And it's not quite a shit-eating grin, but it's a step away from that. And he taps his chin with a finger. Oh, that reminds me. And he reaches down, shuffles in the desk, and pulls out a piece of paper, and then hands it over, like hands it out to you, Puts his, takes his feet off of the desk, and hands it out to you. She takes a quick look at it. The piece of paper he handed you is his version of a neighborhood watch application with his name on it and his credentials. Fuck this guy. Does he have like a nightlight or like a like a night candle? Yeah, it's like a an ever-burning torch sort of thing. Bim takes a hold of the note and her eyes just like light with anger. And without breaking eye contact with him, without saying anything, she takes like two steps to her left where that flame is burning, and she just holds the piece of paper in the flame and lets it catch. So ever-burning torches oh, fuck. can't actually catch anything on fire? So Vim like dramatically holds <laughs> the application up to this ever-burning lantern and waits for a second with this like dagger's glare at Indigo. And Indigo just sits there. And then Vim finally looks over and realizes that the application isn't catching. That starts to ruffle her a bit but she knows that like she she starts to get that like this is what indigo is doing and she still kind of not breaking that flowering eye contact just lets it fall from her hand and it, it kind of slowly falls to the ground and she says ah, you get the idea the only reason why i'm consorting with is because too you will never be a part of my watch Indigo puts his hands up, shrugs his shoulders. All I want to do is help. We can be a mutually beneficial partnership if you'll let me. It is not your fault that Gaul put you in this position. Is there anything else I need to know for this? No. And she just leaves. 
How did he get a copy of the application? So it's his version of oh. the application. So it's not like a direct copy of Jarrell's. Okay, I was like losing my shit. Like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not like it's a, it's not a direct copy of Jarrell. No, he is a bad man. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> oh, God damn it! Smash cut the next morning. <laughs> How does everyone want to spend the next day? Jarrell's still sitting at that table, like trancing and zoned out, but still sitting <laughs> upright. And it's going to jump a mile if someone startles them. I mean, I'm going to keep working on that table. Roll me three more intelligence checks. <laughs> <clears throat> Come on, please treat me nicely. Okay, that's not terrible. 15. Mm-hmm. Oh, 13. God damn it! I crit failed again. Damn. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Jarell just doesn't know what to do when Jaren's not around. They don't they don't know how to do this by themselves. Nikki, I think you have rolled more crit fails than anyone else in this podcast. I think I've rolled more crit fails than everyone else combined at this point. <laughs> I think it might be time for a new set of dice. No, I just really <laughs> like this set. I should get a Jarrell set. These are like red and blue. I should get a gold set. Mm, that's the problem. You definitely should. This is all superstitious nonsense. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. But it's true. <laughs> but it makes me feel better if I can blame my bad rolls on something and yeah. feel like I have some kind of control over this. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is, Jarell, you make progress. Yay. The bad news is, it takes you all day and you aren't able to finish it. And it's one of those things where you feel like if you cratered and asked N just a couple of questions, you'd be able to get it real fast. They're absolutely not going to do that. Like, they're taking N's, like, thing very seriously that I don't know how this is really approaching what I asked her, so this is a test. Mm -hmm. There's a level of which this is not atypical for wizard training. Like, a lot of it is wizards are very cagey about magic. A lot of wizardry is figure it out and if you're not smart enough to figure it out too fucking bad (laughs) then maybe this isn't the field for you and so there's a level of which they're okay with that but they kind of set up camp at a table anyone who comes by who pauses for even a second they're kind of rambling at them and kind of trying to bounce ideas off of people who are just kind of going i don't know anything about this man i don't know and like probably not thinking a lot about eating or resting or anything like they're just kind of focused on what they're doing at some point in the middle of the day, you feel Yelchin's presence. That is like, have you eaten today, Jorel? Uh, I I think so. Uh, what time is it? They kind of look at the window, like they have no idea what day it is. Or <laughs> it's three p.m. You've been here fourteen hours. Oh. Um, oh, I'm not in the way, am I? I I mean, I could move. No, 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 you're not in the way. Look, I'm just going to bring you food. Please eat the food. Oh, thank you, Yelchen. I appreciate it. (laughs) And he brings you food. Uh, Arden, presumably you have a healthy eating schedule while studying the books. Yes, uh, but Arden is mostly studying in his room because he was told to keep the book away from Marin. Okay. And so he wants to make sure that the book is 
not out somewhere where Marin can be like, oh, hey, I've been waiting to check that out forever. It's late. I'm taking it now. <laughs> After looking at the magic circle in his book, I made air quotes. You can't see them, but I made them. Yeah. Um, and seeing if it, it looks similar, he's going to then spend the rest of the day basically reading the rest of that book. Cyrus, what are you up to for the day? Uh, Cyrus will be doing the final preparations for his ritual. He'll probably at some point make a visit to everyone in the party and say, uh, Can I get a pen from you, Jarrell? Vim, <laughs> can I have one of those fancy cups? He's already got what he needs from Arden, so he's good there. <laughs> uh, Wait, I want to know how Arden reacted when Cyrus gave him a handful of dirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I give, I give Arden his dirt. Say, here. Yeah, rub these on my on people's wounds next time they're hurt. It will be less painful than those stinging herbs you rubbed on me. And I just uh, hand him a pile of dirt. Arden doesn't reach out to accept the pile of dirt. He just stares at Cyrus and, and says, yes, and um, less effective. I understand, though. I'm sure you were busy out there. I'll be able to collect the herbs myself later. Truth be told, I did forget. I apologize. By the way, can I count on you tomorrow? I've got a, 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 a task that I need you and everyone else to help me with. Well, I don't see any reason to refuse you outright. What is this task, though? Ah, you already agreed. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> and Cyrus was gathering the components. You're able to do that. Like, I don't think anyone in the party would be like, no, you can't have this weird thing that you're asking for. I mean, Vim does like her cup, so maybe that one would be no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious as to what he got from Arden that he needed. Oh, you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> you asked Jarrell for a pen, and they hold out, like, six. Like, what do you want? <laughs> I already... Vim doesn't really want to give up the cup, but what she's considering is that the place she took it from will let her back in so she can get a replacement. <laughs> Vim then spends the rest of the day getting a replacement. You know, it's better than the other thing she she could be doing. <laughs> what is Vim doing for the day? I think she's pretty listless. She wakes up, she lets herself sleep in. She sleeps poorly after the visit with Indigo, but she sleeps. It doesn't sit well with her. And so she, I think she's going to spend at least a good chunk of the morning thinking about what to do and how to approach this. She like starts to kind of get her shit together. She kind of starts to maybe put on some nice clothes. But as she's getting ready, she's just like not feeling it. She doesn't want to go out and do anything. She probably goes out to sit with Jarrell and just let Strell babble at her about the periodic table and <laughs> magic. Vim is babbled at about the periodic table and Vim realizes she's not getting what she wanted. It's half in common and half in elvish and it's all incomprehensible. Right, I'm like, it might as well be in Goblin or whatever. <laughs> so then, then, like, she wants to be productive, but she's just, she's kind of in this funk as she thinks about 
Marin and the dragon spit tunnels and kind of trying to figure out how does she go about getting this information, how to kind of toe a line between giving him enough information to get him off her back, but not enough that it's actually valuable. <laughs> At the end of the day, kind of like late afternoon, Arden, you're up in your room, right? Yes. There is a knock at your door. Who is it? It's me, uh, Jubal, one of the, uh, the, the, the workers here. Oh, uh, yes, of course. Come in. So the door opens and little half-orc teenager says, there's, uh, someone in the common room for you. Uh, she says her name's, uh, Isidra. Oh, um, yes. Tell her I'll be right down. Arden at this point, like, closes up the book, puts it aside, sets about making himself look presentable. Arden goes downstairs. Isidra is there. She has the three little kiddos in tow, and she's, like, talking to them at a booth, and each of them has, like, a coloring page in front of them, and Yelchin is handing, like, pieces of colored charcoal to the kids. Isidra stands up, turns around, looks at you, Arden, and says, I have results to report. That was faster than I expected, but yes, of course. Um, Have you... What time of day is it? It's like four in the afternoon. Mm, it's a little bit early for dinner, I suppose, but would you like anything to eat? I am fine, thank you. I have lots of free time now that my former boss is in prison. Yes, um... Isidra motions you over to another table. She doesn't sit down at it, though, and instead she unrolls a map. The map, you realize, is a fairly detailed map of the eastern forest. Within the forest, a large roundish area has been outlined with four or five roughly concentric shapes nested inside and marked with dotted lines. And she explains. So I talked to the lumberjacks and what we have here is a chart of what they are calling the safe zone. You see this out here, this is the safe zone. Isidra gestures to the forest outside the outlined area and then points to the outermost border of what is apparently the not safe zone. See, this is where the boundary is now. These lines are where it was over the last several years. As she points, you see that each borderline is marked with a rough date going back about five years. And, as you can see, the danger zone has been spreading gradually over the last five years. About a year ago, it grew a lot bigger rather suddenly, and has been expanding fast ever since. Hmm, I see. So about a year ago. That's helpful, I suppose. So the forest is becoming a more dangerous place now. Cyrus isn't here anymore, right? You could go find him pretty easily. He's not going to try to go find him. I was just going to shoot him a glance if he were still here. Roll an intelligence check real quick. Oh, I rolled well. Um, I was like, who intelligence? I got an 18 <laughs> overall. Okay. 
Uh, I'm here to tell you having a high bonus and it doesn't help necessarily. Which means I rolled a 17. Like. <laughs> Good. So you're looking at this map and it's actually like a really accurate map. If Isidra was the person that made this map, it's really, really well done. It's got like the lumberjack trails, but it's also got game trails and clearings and such and the like. And you're able to figure out from looking at this map that that center where everything is radiating out from, if your memory serves you correctly, is probably about where you found that cabin. Yeah, Arden doesn't need a map to know that. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he'll say, this is a very good map. Did you draw this? I did. I think that you may be in the wrong profession. I've been asked to make maps before, so... Well, you might want to look at making more of them, because this is impressive. Did you go into the forest to do this, or...? I did not go past the safe zone, no. Yes, that would make sense, I suppose. I actually had a map from a few years ago that I modified. It's quite impressive. And this is just from what the lumberjack said. Yes. Then I have something else for you to look into that's quite closely related. You have the coin for it, correct? Yes, I do. All right. But didn't I already give her a platinum? Oh, I guess it is time to give her more, even then. Um, Jarell explained that this stuff has been being used to heat the city, correct? the magic yeah I would have mentioned it Yeah, it is my understanding that the city uses some unorthodox methods to keep itself heated throughout uh, the winter if you could look into that for me find out if there have been any recent changes and what those changes might have been and more importantly when they took place she has both of her hands on the table looking over the map as she looks up at you and quirks her brows as she says, this is your first winter in the city, right? The furnace structure was actually built into the city when it was made. We've been using the dragon spit out of the mine for the past few years. We once tried last year some other sort of And she, like, shakes her head in indication that she doesn't completely understand. Whatever they tried last year didn't work as well as the dragon spit did. How close do you think the use of that correlates with the sudden shrinking of the safe zone in the forest? She looks at the map, and she looks back up at you. I think it's expanding faster since they tried the other thing. That is what I suspected. So I do think that our course of action here is probably to find out a little bit more about what this is. And uh, I've read articles about people who wandered a bit too far into the forest years ago and 
banished for varying lengths of time. Is there anybody who has gone in more recently like that? Other than, I suppose, uh, my friends and I. The newspaper doesn't appear to be quite what it was with readership and the like. I'm wondering if perhaps there were any incidents that did not get reported. I can certainly ask around. However, I can't guarantee that I would find anything. I have, you know, been here the past few years with my ear to the ground, and I would hope that I would have heard about something. I might have other questions for you later, but I only respect results if there are results to be had. Uh, mostly this is just to save me the time and effort of going around myself. And of course, I assume the people here are more likely to trust a local than somebody who hasn't even spent an entire winter here like me. She like does the thing where you kind of like bob your head a little bit in agreement, but don't verbally say anything to like not contradict you. He's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arden will take out another platinum and hand it to her. She takes it and says, uh, thank you. Uh, if you require any more investigating services, do let me know. This map is yours to keep. And she scoots it a little bit farther towards you on the table. Well, I certainly do appreciate that. Arden will pick up the map, look at it a moment before rolling it up and... He has a thing of, like, scroll tubes and that kind of thing, so he will put it in his scroll case. She says, It seems as though you are pleased with my work. I am. Thank you. Although, again, you might want to look into becoming a map artist full-time. It might pay better than I do. She kind of shrugs. I'll look into it. Anyway, I think what, what I need right now is some dinner. I've been reading all day. Yelchin. <laughs> she says, that sounds terrible, and then heads back to the table with her little siblings. In the evening, everyone is filing back into Journey's End for dinner. Jarrell finally deciding that maybe they should make a stopping point and Never. eat some food. Never. <laughs> Gelchin maybe like puts food in their hand and they're like, what? Gelchin like puts food in your hands and like points to all of your friends and says, go interact with your friends. <laughs> That's convincing. Yeah. Vim comes back to Journey's End having brainstormed all day, talked to some businesses. Roll actually three persuasion checks. Ooh, a lot of things I'm good at. Okay. Fuck off. 26. Oh, 20 man. The first one. Uh, 23. 23. Vim crushes it. Vim does crush it. She, like, spends the first part of the day just kind of, like, moping and not really being herself and kind of finally decides 
I'm not getting anywhere with this whole indigo thing just sitting here. I'm gonna go do the other thing I came to Mithrin to do. And she puts on her businesswoman pants or her businesswoman pajama silks and she gets out there and, and she talks to businesses. And it's like, I think she uses it as a distraction and as a way to actively not think about Indigo. And she just does it like ultra hard. Vim returns to Journey's End triumphant. The conversation with Isidra has long since wrapped up Arden and she's sitting at another booth with her three little siblings, um, but not like paying attention to anything else that's going on in the room. Because if you're trying to keep three little kids in line, like that's where all of your attention is. And then what does Cyrus do? He sees the little brats drawing and you know, he likes to impress people. So he sits at the table, rubber necks, what are you doing there? What, what's going on? All three of the kids look up and give you big little kid eyes, and Isidra just straight scowled at you. But one of them says, We're coloring, sir. Look at this. We drew a dragon. And it's like a green blob with like orange and yellow coming out of something. Mm. That's not a dragon. Here's a dragon. <laughs> Isidra gives you the dirtiest look imaginable. Cyrus is pretty indifferent to how other people think about him. I I grab some of their little chalk or coloring shit, mm-hmm. and then I grab one of their cups of water. <laughs> and I, it, they're probably going to be pissed at me initially. I pour the water all over the table and onto like the chalk remnants. <laughs> So it looks like I'm just, like, ruining their drawing supplies. <laughs> like, Isidra half stood up from her booth at this point. I, I'm acting real quickly right now because I can sense the danger. Like, Hold on. <laughs> and then I use shape water to shape the mush into a, a colorful uh, fire spray coming out of the dragon. So it's Now that it has the pigment in the water, it looks like actual fire because it's just like moving. Oh, so the three kids, they've climbed up onto the bench that they were sitting on and they've got like their little hands on the table and they're leaning over, looking at this like shaped water and pigment creation and their eyes are like real big and they're like, that's really cool. How did you do that? Isidra very, very slowly sits back down, crosses her arms, and gives you side eye as you're entertaining the kiddos. And then the camera pans back, and a soldier in uniform walks into the bar, comes through, hands a note to Yelchin, and then walks back out. Yelchin looks at it and then comes up to each of you in turn saying uh, this is from Arendales and it's addressed to all of you. Here you go. 
Charles like wide-eyed has a mouthful of something they're eating for the first time all day and are just like, what? Did they address it to our fun names or to our regular names? It's got like your regular name and then in parentheses next to each of your regular names is your fun name. I don't think Arden had a fun name. He did not. (laughs) He does not. (laughs) There's just like a question mark in parentheses next to your question mark in parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) We're assuming you have a fun name too. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And the note says in very neat handwriting. Please join us at the Arendale Estate tomorrow at just after noon. We have some business we need to tie up. Please and thank you. Signed, Victor Arendale. <laughs>